But today, we're starting a brand new series, and my challenge for you this month is get to all of them if you can, okay? Be here in person for all of them if you can. We're starting a series today, Why Are We Here? Have anybody ever asked that question before? Right? Or you've asked people, like, you've asked God, like, why is that person here? <laughs> why? At my workplace. But why are we here? I'm sure you've asked that question before. Maybe you have asked that. Elbow your neighbor and say, why am I here? I heard Caleb. Why am I here? Maybe in the middle of a hard week, in the middle of a hard month, in the middle of a hard child, in the middle of a hard day at work, you're like, why am I here? Why did God put me here? I believe that God put you here for a, such a time as this like he did Esther. And so you're here for a purpose. And so for the next four Sundays, we're going to go, we're going to jump into four reasons that we are all here and you're like pastor landon this is going to be all this bible stuff yes and it's going to be awesome so next four sundays we're going to give you four reasons we're here and it's going to turn into our mission and our vision for this coming year for 2022 are you ready for a brand new year Woo! we plan ahead here at new hope we believe that God can give us a word for the future. Isn't that awesome? This year was the year of the Lord's favor, if you got to read that scripture. And boy, God has laid out for us and blessed us and did all sorts of things for the church. It's unbelievable. But today, you're asking that question. So today, I'm going to answer part one is we're here to know God. I'm not talking about know about God. We are here to know God, to have relationship with God, to have community with God. And a lot of times it's very difficult to go from here, okay, I, I know who God is. I go to church. I live in America. You know, it's in the song. It's in the pledge. I know about him. But do I know who God is? Do I have a relationship with the creator of the universe, with the Lord God Almighty? You know, I remember as a boy when I started to get to know God. And you know what? It wasn't at a church. That's okay, isn't it? You're like, you're a pastor, Landon. You shouldn't, shouldn't be talking about this. It was at a camp, around a campfire, you know, we went, I went to camp, and it was all these awesome things like horses and canoeing, and we'd shoot bow and arrows and all sorts of fun. Anybody ever go to a camp like that? You're missing out. We need to get you to camp. Send your kids to camp. There was all sorts of fun throughout the day, but you know what? Every night, you know what we did before bed? They lit a fire. They got some people with acoustic guitars and some people to do some fun songs, but then we got into this worship time, and I really got to know God personally during those times. 
And the very first scripture that I learned as a young boy was at camp. The very first worship songs that I learned was at a, uh, as a young boy at camp and in Sunday school. Anybody go to Sunday school when they were kids? Woo! I love that they called it school because everybody wanted to go on Sunday. So glad they called it school. At New Hope, we call it soap. That's awesome. But I love it. Luke 2.52 says this. This is the very first scripture that I learned. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor. I might say it wrong because I knew it. In favor with God and man. This is the first scripture that I learned. And guess what? I was about, Jesus was about 12 years old uh, during that story in Luke 2. He went off from his parents and but at the very end, Luke's like, hey, Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, right? He got taller. I didn't. I missed that part. <laughs> he grew in favor with God, grew in favor with man. And so I learned all about God at camp. I got close to him, and I started my journey with, with God as a young person. Do you know, and this, is, this statistic's going to, maybe drive you crazy a little bit, but do you know that Christians, become Christians, 85% of them are between the ages of 4 and 14. And so I remember one time, that people, they don't attend here, it was a long time ago, they're like, Pastor Landon, you're doing too much for kids. I said, Really? I said, well, I don't think so. We're not doing enough. And so if 85% of people that become Christians become Christians between the age of 4 and 14, we need to do lots for kids, lots for teenagers. Amen? You know, 30 years plus, 4% of all Christians become a Christian between 30 and up. Four percent. So all of us that are, any 30 plusers in here? Come on, be proud of it. Right? You know, the Bible, I don't have this on the screen, but the Bible says in Matthew 9, 14, it says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. So the Bible, Jesus is saying we should do everything possible to reach our children. Amen? Amen. Cool. That was just a little side note from the sermon today. But you know what, church? We are here to know God. So you're asking that question. Maybe you came asking that question. Maybe you haven't been in church in a while. We're here, number one, to know our creator, that's pretty awesome, right? To get close to him. And yes, it can happen at church. It can happen before church at soap. It can happen on a Monday. It can happen Saturday night around the bonfire at, David, at David's house, right? You're all invited. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's pray. We're going to jump into the message today. Lord, thank you so much that we get to come. We get to hear your word. 
Lord, we want to know you more. That's why we're here on a Sunday morning. We want to know you more, Lord. So speak to our hearts today, not just our mind, because we can know all about you. We can know all the facts and all the figures. But, Lord, we want to get to know you. We want to grow close to you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said. You know, there was a young boy, just kind of like me. And you know what he would do at night? He had to take care of his father's sheep. And I bet you any money he'd light a fire. And guess what? During that time at the fire, he'd probably get out whatever instrument he had. And he started writing all these songs. I, I read you a couple earlier in Psalm. David, right? He started writing all these psalms, and he got to know the Lord out in the middle of nowhere, probably around a fire, making sure the sheep weren't getting taken care of by the wolves, right? And he would be out there, and he would get to know God, and God would speak to him, and he would speak to God, and he would learn all sorts of things from the Lord. I feel like our world is so busy that we don't ever give time to learn about God. We don't give time for him to speak to us. And so David, today we're going to learn about David because I think when, when I think of people in the Bible that got to know God personally, I think of David. You're like, but Pastor Landon, he was a sinner. So are you. We all are, right? But that doesn't mean we can't get to know God. That doesn't mean that it changes anything. Maybe during difficult times, you read all throughout the Psalms that David wrote out these beautiful, poetic verses that are still alive and flourishing today in our minds and our hearts, right? Because guess what? He got to know God. Maybe it's difficult moments. Maybe it was amazing, joyous moments. He even learned to aim and shoot a slingshot out there. Right? He had lots of extra time. He's like, see that tree over there? Probably destroyed a few trees and who knows what how kind of animals. Right? He ate probably pretty good after a while when he began learned how to shoot better. But you know what, around the same time that David is a boy, he's a shepherd boy, he's out there with the sheep, he's the youngest, he's out there, there is a guy named Saul who is the first king of Israel. The Israelites were like, Lord, we need a king. Because for some reason, they didn't want to be led by God. They're like, we need a king. So he's like, all right, we got this guy named Saul. Let's try him out. Look, first, first uh, Samuel, we're going to look a little bit of Saul's kind of near the end of his kingdom here. First Samuel 13, 13 to 14. You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. Samuel was a prophet, came and started speaking to, to Saul. And so you're asking, what is this foolish thing? You have not kept the command the Lord gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But no, verse 14, your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. 
and appointed him ruler, ruler over his kingdom because you have not kept the Lord's commands. You know, God is looking for people who have a heart for him. He said he's looking for a man after God's own heart. You know, he's also looking for a woman after, God, as, after his heart. He's looking for people who want to have community with him. He's looking for people who want to know him, not just use him for what they can get next. Well, if I say I'm a Christian, I could get on the Republican ticket and do X, Y, and Z. I'm not talking about any certain political figure. I'm just saying, if I use, if I give, then God will do this for me. If I do this for my neighbor, then this will happen. God doesn't really work that way. He's looking for your heart. He wants your heart. He's looking for people who are after his heart. So, we see two different people, right? We see Saul, who's kind of in it for himself. He's like, I'm the big man on campus, right? He was a, he was a beast, right? The Bible talks about how big he was, and David couldn't even fit into his armor. But then you talk about this guy named David, who we find out later on that he has a heart after God. That he's on fire for the Lord. He's not perfect. So today we're going to compare the two of these guys a little bit. So why are we here? We all good? We all leaning into this one? You can write some notes out. We're here to know God personally. We're here to understand him more. We're here to become men and women after his heart. And so if you want to write this in today, a man or woman after God's own heart, want, number one, honors the Lord. Everybody say honor. Honor is a big deal, right? Saul, Saul was more concerned with his will than God's will. He's like, how can, how can I be honored in all of this? And you know what? As, at times, Christians, we can be like that. So what am I going to get out of this? David knew God's will was the most important thing. Even when David didn't do God's will, he still knew God's will was most important. David's sin was really out of weakness. Paul's sin was more out of disregard for God, more out of dishonor for the Lord. And there's a heart difference between the both. You know, Saul was dethroned not because of his sin. He was dethroned because he didn't honor God. And so my challenge for you today, if, if we know God, if we have a personal relationship with him, then we should honor him. You know, honor, if you look it up in the dictionary, it's pretty straightforward. It's really high respect or great esteem. Is there anybody that you honor? Like, oh, I put them into a little bit of a... Right? And in America, we honor lots of different things, don't we? Depending on who we are, right? We stand for the, for the anthem. 
pledge allegiance to the flag. Those are great things to honor. But above all of those things, why are we not honoring God the way that we should? I'm not saying all of us aren't. But that's a challenge. If we can honor the flag, if we can get on Facebook and yell at people for not standing for the flag, but we are not honoring God for who, man, I'm going to get in trouble today, aren't I? <laughs> Look what Jesus said about honor. Jesus in John 4, or sorry, 5, verse 44. No wonder you can't believe, for you gladly honor each other. But you don't care about the honor that comes from the one who alone is God. David says it this way, Psalm 29, 1-2. Honor the Lord, you heavenly beings. Honor the Lord for His glory and strength. Verse 2. Honor the Lord for the glory of His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. We wouldn't have any of this if someone didn't come before us and honor God. Right? From the very beginning of our country, there was men and women who said, I'm going to put God first. And that's why we get to do what we get to do. Because we honor God first. And we, as we read the Psalms of David, it says the Lord shines through honor, glory, strength. Even as a boy, David's heart was to honor God in everything that he did. And I believe one day, and you might remember this by reading the Bible, one day David took this to a whole nother level. We had this guy named Goliath, and they were, they were at the front of the war here, and Goliath shows up, and he's a giant, literally. The, guy is, the Bible says he's nine feet tall, right? He's almost as tall as Jake, uh, Caleb over here. This dude is huge, and he's out there taunting the Hebrews. He's defiling the armies of God. He's like, no one can take us. You're done. It's over. And then there's a little guy, maybe a big guy. I don't know what size David was at the time. He shows up to bring food to his brothers. And he overhears the giant. And he's like, wait, why is no one shutting this guy up? Right? It's such a great scene. Imagine a movie that they show this scene or even think about a football team. You got these, this terrible football team that rolls into town. Or whatever, right? It's this story of all the ages. And David's there. He's like handing his brother's food. He's like, you guys are, you guys are in the army, right? And you're letting Goliath talk to God's people like this? You know, yeah. And they start, it's like, David, just give us the food and go home, okay? 
So David finally gets to the King Saul, and this is kind of, this is what he says. When no one, it seemed like no one was worried about it, even Saul, who was a beast, right? He should be like out there on the front line. He could have taken him, possibly. We've got David. Look, 1 Samuel 17. Uh, Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. (laughs) Saul's like, yeah, you're a winner. Verse 33, don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from his mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claw of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistine. That's honor. Like, that's crazy honor. But that's just how they did stuff back then. We don't do that kind of stuff right now, but we, there is a point where we get up and say, listen, I don't care what they're saying on the news. I don't care what they're saying on Facebook. I know I'm old. On TikTok or the, the Instagrams or whatever you guys do. I don't care what they're saying on, on there or CNN or Fox. I'm going to honor God, just like David did. When no one else wanted to, when all of the seasoned veterans like Saul and all David's brothers were there, and David shows up like, anybody want some cheese? Wait a second, you guys are letting this happen? No, not today. I've heard it. And now I can't unhear it, so I've got to do something about it. Church, we, if we're going to know God, which we are, and we're going to be people that are after Him, we need to, number one, what? Honor the Lord with everything we've got. Whatever tools He's put in our pocket. Maybe yours is not a rock and a slingshot. Okay? Number two. A man, a, whim, a, a man and a woman after God's own heart enthrones God as king. Now, a lot of us, let me grab one of these chairs here. A lot of us think of life and our relationship with God like this. Caleb, you want to come up? We're going to, you're going to represent God a little bit. Is that okay? Woo! Yeah, you can sit down. I should have changed your, na- your uh, name tag out. 
Yeah, you could. So I feel like a lot of us at church, this is kind of how we roll. Like, oh, hey, God, you're my co-pilot. And whenever we need God, we hop in the vehicle, we start driving, be like, well, what do you think? What do you think today? Um, think it's cool to go over to the, uh, uh, we'd have nothing. It's frostproof. Uh, McDonald's. McDonald's. Okay, go to, okay. And so we're like, oh, God is, is the co-pilot, okay? Then some people, you hop over here. We're not in England. Hello. Some people, hello. Some people think, okay, then... Okay, I'm in the passenger seat. This works. I'm going to just hang out here. Okay? Which is pretty good. That's close. And But you drive stick? That's awesome. <laughs> He's doing all sorts of stuff, right? But to me... We need to put God on the throne. He's still not there. That was just for effect. It's okay. God needs to be on the throne of our life. He's not a co-pilot or the pilot or anything. He is king. And I'm not going to sit there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kneel before the king. Amen. Thank you, Caleb. Listen, I didn't, I didn't, I, I feel bad. People didn't like the throwing of the chair thing. Jesus flipped over chair tables, okay. For Saul, Saul was king. For David, the Lord was king. Both David and Saul knew that Back then, they did a sacrifice before they went to the battle. Right? They thought it was important. So David thought it was important because it pleased and honored God. It put God in first place. It honored God. Saul was like, well, we do the sacrifice just so I'll at least win, I hope. And I think we think that a lot of times. Well, I'll, I'll do the tithe thing because it'll bless me down the road. We think of it in like these terms like the world thinks, like, oh, karma, if I do something good, then something good will happen to me, right? Which, that's fine and all. However, God just says, if I'm king of your life, you should give. If I'm king of your life, you should serve. Guess what? Yes, blessings will follow. It'll be awesome. But that's not why we should do it. We should do it because we believe God is king. Amen. It's good. We think a lot like Saul sometimes, though, don't we? Look what it says um, here uh, in Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. After Jesus defeated sin and death on the cross once for all, back in the day, guess where God's presence was? In a spot. It was called the temple. Jesus went to the cross. Guess what? Guess who's the temple now? God is, yes, we're his temple. Look, Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. So now the Gentiles, that's us, are no longer strangers and foreigners. 
Praise the Lord. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Verse 20, together we are his house. Everybody say, I'm his house. There you go. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone of Jesus Christ himself. Are we putting God on the th- in the throne room, on the throne of our life? Or are we there in taking, you know, I think I, we all do it, right? It's like, oh, I'll take God's place for today. And if we are the temple, who is on the throne? Number three, this is the last one. A man and woman, after God's own heart, has a soft and repentive heart. A man and woman, after God's own heart, has a soft and repentive heart. If your musician wants to come, Pastor Lindsay wants to come. When Saul was confronted with his sin... He offered excuses. Who's like that? Me, right? It's like, hey, you sinned. You did this. You did that. We make all sorts of excuses, don't we? For what we do. We make these excuses up. When David was confronted with his sin, he confessed his sin and repented. That's what a soft and repentive heart looks like. Church, God isn't calling you at this very second to to be perfect. Like, he's not expecting you today. You're like, okay, you know, Ms. D, you are now perfect. No, he is perfecting us. He is allowing us room to grow. And I think a lot of church people think, well, they showed up here today. Look at them. I swear, I know where they were on Saturday night. Sounds like you were there too. How would you know? But when David was confronted with his sin, he confessed his sin and repented. And a lot know the story, right? David saw this beautiful woman, called her to the house, had relations with her, tried to hide it, Kill, had the, the lady's husband killed, that's a major sin, right? But when he was confronted with it, this prophet by the name of Nathan came to correct him for God. That's how they did it, right? And showed him his sin. Here is David's response. 2 Samuel 12, 13 to 14. Then David confessed to Nathan... I have sinned against God, against the Lord. Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you. And you won't die for this sin. And then there was a consequence. Verse 14, nevertheless, because you have shown utter contempt for the word of the Lord, by doing this, your child will die. 
Old Testament. He was forgiven. Now, church, God is calling us. If we know him, we should have a soft and repentive heart. Even though we are forgiven, sometimes there are consequences. You heard his response to Nathan. And that should be our response every time when the Holy Spirit shows up and says, Hey, here's where you went the wrong direction. Here's where you didn't put me on the throne. Here's where you didn't honor me. Here's where you didn't have a soft and repentive heart. Our response should be just like David to say, I have sinned against the Lord. And guess what? Nathan said, the Lord has forgiven you. Isn't it amazing that we have a God who gives us a second chance, third chance, fourth chance, fifth chance? Because he knows that it's a, it takes some time. And I love that then David goes home maybe or maybe back out into the wilderness or somewhere, maybe around a campfire, who knows. But here's what David writes, and we all get to read it because it's in Psalm 51. And before we leave, can we stand for the reading of this word? And I believe that at this moment, maybe God is talking to you, the church, and saying, hey, this is your moment. It's time to have a soft and repentive heart. It's time to turn from that sin that has entangled you and be like David. Honor God. Put him on the throne. Have a soft and repentive heart. And here's his prayer. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say. And your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, for the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sin, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Verse 8, oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sin. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And make me willing to obey you. Amen. So before we leave today, can you take a moment? Maybe there's something that you just haven't given back to the Lord. I love this old song. This song, I would have been at camp in 1993, and Pastor Lindsay would have been there, and she probably was singing it. <laughs>
And so we're going back to the 90s. Can we just sing this song together and think of the Lord? Put him first. Put him on the throne. Honor him. Have a soft and repentive heart. says later on, you, sh- you can see the closeness of David with the Lord, that he knows him. Psalm 103 says, the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Verse 8, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse you, nor remain angry forever. Verse 10, he does not punish us from all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is is as great as the heights of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Church, why are we here? We're here to know God. Amen. Sorry I threw the chair. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that we're here to know you. Thank you that we're challenged today. Thank you that imperfect people can show up to church and know the creator of the heavens and the earth. And Lord, even when we go the wrong direction, you pull us back home and you say that our sin is as far as the east is from the west. And so Lord, I pray as we go today, we would take moments like around a campfire. We take moments with our family, Lord, that we would turn everything off except for you and we would get to know you. 
our creator, our Lord, the King, who we've been throned at the highest place in our life. In Jesus' name, and the church said, 